Hello, my name is Haley, and thanks for joining me for this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc, the podcast that breaks down topics on addiction, mental health, and treatment. I'm here with addiction medicine specialist Dr. Bott and our content director, Jeff. How are you guys doing? Good, Haley. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing good today. Doing good. Me too. So in past episodes, we've talked about drugs like methamphetamine and cocaine, breaking them down and explaining why they have such a strong effect on people and how someone can become addicted to them. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a drug that has constantly been in news headlines for some time now, just because of the sheer danger of it and how many overdoses it's been involved in. And that drug is, of course, fentanyl. So I know fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, but what does that mean? You know, how is a synthetic opioid different than an opiate? You know, I know, Haley, many people, I think, use that term inter- interchangeably, opiates and opioids. But technically, an opiate is something that is derived from the natural, the poppy plant, and uh, from opium, which is the active ingredient there versus opioids that's something that is man-made so a a synthetic product that has been produced in a laboratory that um, was probably had the same purpose for pain relief analgesia but um, that's the main difference man-made opiates naturally occurring i mean man-made opioids naturally occurring opiates what's used to create synthetic opioids most of the synthetic opioids are chemical structures that are produced in labs that um, have similar qualities that uh, an opiate would have that can ultimately be put together to uh, hopefully um, execute the purpose that it's intended to if it's if it's a opiate that's intended for obviously pain relief that it does that in the safest possible way and with the least amount of side effects. But uh, most of them are chemical structures or compounds that have similar effects and mechanisms and structures as uh, traditional opiates. And um, these are put together again in the lab. So why were synthetic opioids created? Was it because opiates weren't potent enough? Yeah, that that was something that was looked at. I mean, um, in terms of you know, why do many pharmaceutical agents come on the market? And um, it's often we're looking for a a better type of medication or medicine to treat something. And similarly with opioids, we try to have um, something that was stronger or longer lasting, something that could be more controllable. Um, But the intent was to have a, a better product on the market, often that can provide the best relief um, the most, um, the quickest, most reproducible things um, that can obviously be distributed to individuals to, uh, you know, provide proper treatment. So, but one of them, like you mentioned, uh, was to be more potent. So, what's this kind of story with fentanyl? You know, who was that initially intended for? Fentanyl's been around for quite a few decades, and you know, when it was discovered and it was used, it's traditionally used for people with pretty severe pain. It was, for example, like post-op for surgical issues and um, people who have significant trauma or um, 
chronic moderate to severe pain often from maybe cancer but um you know it's it's beyond those you know few um you know indications you know that, that it really wasn't meant to be um used or hasn't been meant to be used in, in, in a broader sense so um it's a very very potent potent you know a substance fentanyl is is really reserved again for those major major uh you know pain situations and um you know it, it's 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 pretty uh pretty significant when used in the wrong way can you give me an example of how potent it is compared to other opioids it's probably about uh a hundred times more potent than 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 morphine so um it, it's pretty significant we use it in 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 in, in very very small increments in, in micrograms and um and that's because you know it's it's it's, it's very very strong and so again we're, we've been seeing so much significance when this has been diverted and um you know people have used this in in abusive ways and unfortunately it's led to a lot of uh, overdose and deaths so um you know, it's, it's a very, very strong drug. I know that the opioid epidemic has kind of come, you know, in waves, but could you talk about fentanyl's role in the opioid epidemic? I know we spoke about this in another episode. Um, opioid epidemic, for many people who haven't heard or maybe just guessing on it, um, you know, the, the, the theories behind it have been, you know, when when pain was being underrecognized and there was a push by the World Health Organization and other healthcare sectors to address pain, uh, mixed with a very robust um, and maybe even inappropriate marketing campaign by different pharmaceutical companies, there was there was a significant amount of um, you know pain medication prescriptions that went out, and you know in the 80s and 90s especially you know we saw that and that led to many people becoming physically dependent on uh, opioid opioid class medications unfortunately as as the government started to regulate um and different um you know processes were put in place to ensure that there wasn't this overzealous prescribing of these pain medications uh people who were left unfortunately physically dependent on these things or who are abusing them um, or might have diverted them started to see a lack of supply that filtered out onto the street and then we saw kind of an uptick in um, in uh, other opiate type you know substances we saw the rise of heroin come again as the street supply of these pills um, occurred as a street supply dwindled as we go along, then it's a supply and demand situation where again, heroin and the time and the process of making it and producing it and distributing it, um, fentanyl found its way out of the, you know, um, out of the proper places that it was um, in, in the healthcare sector. And it found its way also onto the street. And being that it was so potent and not very expensive, um, again, from a supply and demand issue at the time, uh, fentanyl started getting intertwined with um, not only uh, uh, 
heroin, but then again on its own. So again, it all is an evolution from when somebody is been exposed to uh, opioids, develops a physical dependency or develops an addiction, um, can't get a hold of the substance they become dependent on, often will transition to something else. And it just happened that fentanyl was just the next stronger um, substance that at that point was less expensive and could provide a significant high and um, got incorporated into the uh, black market and on the streets. And unfortunately now is uh, a huge problem for, um, for the United States and many countries around the world. I mean, I think people would be afraid just because hearing about so many overdoses that involve fentanyl. Are people seeking out fentanyl to get high or do they usually you know, end up taking it by accident? You know, you, you, you use the word afraid, Haley, um, and I, I wish people were afraid. I wish people, if that fear was a deterrent to substance use, I think then we would have a little bit more leverage on helping people stop using. But unfortunately, when you are suffering, with somebody suffering with full-blown addiction, um, fear is something that is, is, is masked. And um, being afraid or even just thinking rationally in general is thrown out the window. That's con- kind of the nature of addiction. You know, we don't think clearly, we don't think straight. So yeah, once people are trying to pursue a high, um, often to feel good or often to escape the withdrawal, they will go to any extreme necessary. And even if it means teetering with a drug that in micrograms can kill you, um, yeah, people are out there um, pursuing that. So you hear a lot about uh, drugs being cut with fentanyl. Why do drug dealers cut other drugs, you know, like pills or something with fentanyl? Again, this is just to enhance the potency of your product. We talked about previously fentanyl is a very potent product. It's a very potent chemical. And um, if you mix it with heroin that's often cut or intermixed with other things that are bulking, um, this can give you the additional um, psychoactive substance that makes um, one high. And... um, it's often added to make it more potent as a whole to heroin or in itself it's 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 pressed into different pills and then uh you know sold in very um i guess wide range of uh mixtures and impurities and uh combined with it so it's it's a scary thing because um one using drugs of course is dangerous but then using drugs that you don't really know what you're getting um, with such a lethality and potency to it. Um, it, It's, 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 it's very, very, um, it's very, very unpredictable. And unfortunately uh, we are seeing results in uh, the deaths and the overdoses that we see um, all around the country. I was just going to add that a lot of times fentanyl is mixed with other things simply for cost. Um, because fentanyl is so much more potent than, say, heroin, um, a much smaller physical amount of fentanyl will provide the same kind of high. And it's therefore much cheaper and 
comparatively for the people who are doing the smuggling um, safer to smuggle smaller amounts of fentanyl, um, which decreased costs all the supply chain. Also, um, while initially fentanyl was kind of like looked on with kind of suspicion when it first entered the, the market, the drug market, now a lot of drug users actively seek out fentanyl. And that's why, you know, it's mixed with so many things due to demand. Oh, for sure. I mean, you make a great point, Jeff, that these are things that supply and demand business plays a huge role in why things are put out there. But um, yeah, highlighting what you said, you know, um, and what we said before, it's just so potent that you add it to the heroin and it becomes just a more um, addictive, um, you know, substance and you can use less of it and um, it becomes in a way more cost effective. And um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true that um, we've seen it and people are asking for it. And we are seeing people come to treatment or, and seeking help for just pure fentanyl addiction. And um, it's become more and more commonplace. That kind of brings me to the next question I was going to ask is, you know, how often do you actually see somebody with a specific fentanyl addiction? Like that's their drug of choice. Is that very common? Over the last five years, we've seen the, it rise um, considerably. And again, depending on what geographical area you are within the country, um, and I'm speaking specifically, of course, here in the United States, that, um, yeah, people are coming in specifically using fentanyl. And um, again, it, it, it comes down to supply and demand and what they might have used as of late. And many people who use opiates are switching around. They are going from pills to heroin to fentanyl and back again. And it really depends on what's available on the street, what they can afford. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is coming in from, you know, outside of the United States. And um, as Jeff mentioned previously, you know, people who are smuggling this stuff in, um, it's not always very consistent. Um, and that, that also translates into this kind of like, um, you know, I, I'm going to get high on what I can get. But uh, definitely fentanyl has been more and more prevalent in the drug scene over the last uh, many years. On the flip side, for those who are, you know, using drugs but are trying to avoid fentanyl, is there any way for someone to know that the heroin they purchased is actually fentanyl? It's very hard unless that somebody is um, reporting to you, your dealer or somebody saying that, hey, this is what's in it. Um, Often there's certain colors and, and characteristics of the heroin. Um, it comes in a very wide variety of um, texture and in terms of coloration. But um, unless you know that or have the ability to uh, break it down from a chemical component, um, it's often hard to decipher. And that's why we do see people who do switch or do change or who do come out um, of treatment or who have been abstinent for so long because it's so unclear as to what you're getting and how much of what's in it, that unpredictive side of this whole thing is leading to so many of these negative consequences, uh, the, the deaths and the overdose. So I, I assume, you know, different types of opioid drugs that are abused are cut with fentanyl. Are 
other drugs also cut with fentanyl? You know, like um, cocaine or ecstasy, for example? Yeah, it can be. It can be. We do see people who have had, unfortunately, um, might not have wanted to be using any sort of opiate. But as, as we mentioned, that um, due to the potency of fentanyl, to the fact that it creates such a significant high in such small amounts, that depending on the intent of the drug dealer or what they're trying to put there on their market and, and the fact that they want to keep addicted individuals addicted uh, or people who want to get high, high, you know, you are seeing that it cross over into other classes of drugs. And again, this just adds to not only the people um, having unpredictable outcomes, but, um, you know, the, the, the cross dependencies, the experimentations, and unfortunately, um, again, as I said before, the, the deaths that are occurring um, at, at, at an extreme rate here in the country. What does a physical dependency on fentanyl look like? It's, it's very similar to other opiates, opioids, I'm sorry, um, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, people feel that euphoria. They feel that analgesia. They feel that warmth. They feel those sensations where um, they feel great. They feel they feel high, but with it comes a very um, sedate, sedating type of aspect. It compromises your breathing and it compromises your heart rate, and you know that leads to, of course, um, overdose, coma, or death. So, um, you know, it, it has a similar, uh, because it is a similar class, it is an opioid, it has a very similar uh, characteristic profile um, of other opiate drugs. So um, for this question, I'm sure it depends on the individual and their tolerance. But in general, how much fentanyl can be taken before somebody overdoses? You said it. I mean, it, it's, you know, with opioids in general, the the uh, the the type, duration, the um, the characteristic of the individual, it all depends on how much a person can tolerate, and especially because opiates are incrementally um, tolerable by individuals, um, it, you know, those who have been using longer and in an increasing amount can steadily go further and further. You know, some studies show that 200 micrograms are uh, in naive individuals is is enough to kill somebody um, when it comes to fentanyl. So, uh, but I really don't want to just look at that number versus um, the fact that, uh, you know, different amounts kill people in different ways. And um, it really depends on uh, a lot to do with their physical body makeup, also um, the tolerance that they have developed. But uh, in general, it's, it's I mean, these, we're talking about such small amounts that many people are, um, you know, dying on, um, on amounts that you can barely see. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty significant. I'd like to bring up quickly another synthetic opioid that I see people talking about, and that is carfentanil. What's the difference between carfentanil and fentanyl? Well, carfentanil is another, it's, it's a separate chemical. It's a separate drug. And um, it's, again, it's a synthetic compound 
um, it's been also it's been around for quite a few decades and it's made its way onto the streets, unfortunately. And um, this is traditionally used. It's so potent. I've been talking thousands of times more potent than, you know, um, morphine is that um, it's used more as in veterinary medicine. And it's it's used as a, a as a tranquilizer anesthetic for for very very large animals, and uh, it it's really has no indication uh, otherwise. Um, and the fact that it's made its way out onto the streets, it's 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 extremely extremely dangerous. So would you say that it's more dangerous than fentanyl? It, it's it's more potent than fentanyl, and um, so when you think about it in context, yes, you know, it, I, I would, the, the short answer is yeah, to those individuals, because, you know, such, such small amounts, you know, such small like grains of salt size amounts, um, if they're inhaled and stuff like that, they can, they can kill somebody. And because um, it is that potent, it is um, that much more dangerous. So um, I think the bottom line with all of this stuff is because of the unpredictable nature of these drugs that are getting out there on the street, the, the, the advantages that people are trying to take in terms of selling, uh, the, the trying to, you know, cut costs and, um, get people more high and, you know, uh, try and get their product, uh, over and distribute it to a, a, a larger surface area. Um, in this whole business of drug, dealing yeah um, you know you never know what you're gonna get and uh, the fact that it's physically so um, habit forming dependency creating the the chemical nature of opiates being so um, addictive that uh, when you have these products that are so potent going out there I mean it's it's not a surprise we're seeing so many people dying on the street. And you said in another question before, you know, fear. I, I wish fear was something um, that was enough of a deterrent for people um, to not use. But unfortunately, um, it's often, uh, it's even when people are watching others overdose in front of them, it's not stopping them. Um, and them overdosing multiple times themselves, being on life support, it's not stopping people from using. And that's the type of, danger that's out there. What are the withdrawal symptoms like for someone with a fentanyl addiction? People who suffer from fentanyl withdrawal typically appear to uh, look like uh, those who suffer from um, opioid withdrawal in general. Most people are in extreme discomfort. They have body aches. Um, they're sweating. They often have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. They are extremely dysphoric and um, they are uh, extremely uncomfortable. And, you know, for the most part, we understand that, uh, you know, opioid withdrawal is not considered a life-threatening withdrawal, but we've seen people who seize now and, you know, and have in those rare cases died even from their withdrawal, even though, like I said, prototypically, it's not a life-threatening withdrawal. But Fentanyl withdrawal is a very, uh, very significant, very severe, very painful, very uncomfortable withdrawal. Is fentanyl withdrawal 
um, worse or you know different compared to other opioids or opiates like heroin? We, we, we've seen it in, in a variety of, of ways. Um, you know, it, withdrawal, it's, it's pretty much typical in terms of um, the constellation of symptoms, but as of the degree, that really depends on the individual. Um, oftentimes the extent and duration of how long they've used. And um, I, I wish I could say just the potency of fentanyl being more potent um, causes a more significant withdrawal. Uh, we do tend to see those synthetic products uh, often due to their duration of action and other qualities of man-made opioids. They tend to have a more prolonged withdrawal and uh, we do see that often and that makes it a little bit more difficult in terms of um, you know tolerability because the withdrawal although somewhat similar tends to last longer and um, nobody wants to have to deal with that but uh, unfortunately that is uh, often what we do see. Dr. Ba, is there anything I didn't ask you about this drug that you think people should know? I think, you know, we, we have said, obviously, you know, fentanyl, carfentanil, the, the danger um, that, that exists there, you know, um, the fact that it, it is coming mainly, I don't know if we talked about this um, previously or in another episode, but these are coming from different parts of the world. Most of the supply of this stuff is is coming from the Far East, uh, Mexico, and then there's the ingredients that make up the chemicals um, that produce the fentanyl and stuff that come from different other parts of the world. So, you know, again, the fact that it's so potent, it's, it's, it's unpredictable. It's, it's, it's cut up and uh, cut into many different things, uh, especially, of course, in heroin. Um, you know, this is just, um, getting worse. So, um, you know, it is, I wish again, I've, I think I've said it a few times that I wish fear was a deterrent, but this is something that as healthcare practitioners, we are afraid of, we're health, we're, we're afraid to see this because, um, through clear mind and clear eye, we know how deadly this is. And it's just a very sad um, situation that uh, people who are watching people die, who've experienced near death themselves, um, continue to use a product that's like a bullet in a gun pointing right at them and pulling it. I mean, it's and then, you know, it's just that that crazy. And uh, that just speaks to the, the nature of addiction. So when we talk about addiction being a disease, I mean, I know somebody, people can argue, is it the intoxication? Is it just, you know, um, the, the, the effects of this mind altering substance? Uh, however way somebody wants to, you know, um, highlight certain aspects of the whole thing, this problem is huge, it's real, and it's costing people their lives. And uh, I think uh, we need a tremendous collaborative effort uh, uh, amongst everybody, you know, as, as, as citizens of just humanity um, to, to help in, in, in this because it's, 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 it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, I'm hoping, uh, you know, uh, more people seek help and seek treatment and, and 
you know, get the help that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm glad you said that. Um, thank you, Dr. Bot, for breaking this down. And thank you, Jeff, for also being here today. And a big thank you to our listeners who tuned in to this episode. You can hear more breakdowns on drugs and addiction on our other episodes, which are available at addictioncenter.com, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for those who may know someone who is misusing opioid drugs, don't wait to intervene and help them find resources because that could potentially save someone's life in the long run. You can find resources at addictioncenter.com if you want to learn more, and we hope to have you again for another episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.